is up, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. Uh, very excited for today's episode, even though I know that it will offend some people. And I kind of begrudgingly am talking about this today only because I'm so frustrated by a trend that I'm seeing in business that I feel like I need to talk about it. If you're a new business owner, this will be really relevant for you. If you're an employee uh, of any company whatsoever, I think this will be valuable to you. But in general, I've been noticing a trend and it it all started with, I was working with this startup uh, at the start of the week and was giving some advice to the startup owner and he was talking about how, uh, and if you've seen, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you've, you've seen me post a little bit about this, and I'm going to have a longer article coming out uh, either tomorrow or, or at the start of the next week about this. But essentially, you have this owner who he's looking for advice on his business, and he's trying to essentially retain his employees. And essentially, what the, the question of conversation, what it ends up being is, hey, I'm worried about my employees quitting in my startup and I want to know what else I can do to get them to hang on a little bit longer. And this is a startup that's in a pre-revenue phase, meaning that they've put together this this uh, company with an idea and they haven't quite got to the point yet of selling it as a product. Uh, this is common sometimes in the tech industry when people are developing an app. And so you have an owner who has this company that they're not really making any money. And so they're existing on uh, essentially funding from someone else. And we have funding from someone that we call an angel investor. This is somebody who is essentially putting up their money up front in exchange for equity or a payback long term. Uh, Or they rely on something called a venture capitalist, which is essentially these large companies that the way they make their money is by... Uh, basically booking the costs for these these highly uh, these companies that 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 seems like they're going to be profitable long term. So essentially, you have this startup where, and I don't really know the details. I think an investor pulled out and pulled out a chunk of their money, or maybe they ran out of money. And so you have this person who he's he's a, an owner who he employs fifteen people, and he's basically run out of money. And one of his employees came to him and said, you know, I really can't make my rent. I don't know what to do. And he basically paid this person out of his own pocket so that this person wouldn't up and quit. And he said something along the lines of, you know, if my employees quit, I'm going to be in a really tough spot. And I was I was listening to the story and, you know, just exchanging some a little bit of a back and forth. And I, I at one point I was kind of like, dude what is wrong with you, man? Like, this is no way to run a business. And it's like, why would you take on 15 employees if you can't simply pay these people? And so beyond, uh, and you know, maybe I've I've mentioned this before in some of my other episodes of how, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm any kind of like business savant or like this expert or guru, but I at least know enough to know that I know at least a little bit more than some people who could use my services. And so I figure I at least can make a, a modest income helping people like this. But, you know, today I don't, I'm not really looking to talk about dysfunctional business owners, although that is a topic that I could easily talk long-term about. 
What I want to talk about is the mindset of employees and how employees are guilted for aspirations of making money. And I want to really break this down today because it's it's a trend that I've I've seen happen in my own life. I've seen it happen in friends' lives. It's this trend of if you ask for more money or you pursue more money, you are somebody who is uh, greedy or you are uh, selfish or you're only in it for yourself. And I cannot communicate how backwards this is. I cannot communicate how wrong this is. And if I was to just summarize this episode moving forward, if you turned me off right after this part, the only, just the majority of what I want to communicate is that you should never let anyone guilt you for wanting more money. You should never let anyone guilt you for wanting more money. And here's here's what I'm not, let's just assume, because this has actually been the case for most people that I've worked with, for most people who have worked under me, for most people I've worked as a peer with, uh, even with, with people who, friends who are in other companies, most people I work with are well-meaning, good-intentioned. Uh, they are they have uh, good character and they want to see good things happen for the business. For whatever reason, though, a lot of times we associate wanting more money with this Scrooge McDuck person, you know, this personality of someone who is just, counting their pennies and they're just trying to get every next dollar. And that's simply not what I've experienced in the professional world. And I would venture to guess that most people I talk to also have not had that experience. And yet I see, and it's it's funny because you don't ever see, you never see an employee guilt another employee for wanting more money. It's always the owner. It's always the owner who is trying to... <laughs> sort of get this person in check because it affects their bottom line. And so right off the bat, let's make this really clear. I'm not talking about greedy people. So let's throw that bucket of people. Do they exist? Absolutely. Are there people out there who they they do they do just want as much money as possible and they want to just spend it on meaningless things? Uh, yep, those people exist. Got it. Great. It's the minority, so we're not going to focus on that today. I'm also not going to focus on people who they have a, and this might even be a whole different topic of conversation. I'm not talking about people who uh, they think they deserve more money, but they really don't. And sometimes, sometimes in my own life, when I've really felt like I deserved more, there's been a rude awakening of, oh, I'm getting paid exactly what I should be getting paid. In fact, I think you're paying me too much money. I think I need to give you some of this back because I do not deserve this. So I'm not talking about the person who, and I have this conversation sometimes even with people who, and and back before I worked directly with owners, I would work with a lot of middle managers. And so you'd have a person who's a middle manager who's thinking, you know, I really want this promotion or I really want this pay raise. How do I leverage my own strengths? How do I get this pay raise? Or they, or, you know, I might have someone who says, you know, I got this pay raise and maybe it was like a 3% pay raise. Well, I really thought I was worth 7%. So how do I convince them to give me 4% more? And it's like, dude, I've had one conversation with you and even 3% is a lot for you. 
You know, I mean, there are just some people who, and it's it's because it's hard to have self-awareness. It's hard to be aware of your blind spots. And so it's challenging to actually know our worth sometimes. And I think, I think that is the catch for this conversation today. Because you have people who they think they're worth a lot more and they're not. And so I'm not even going to talk about those people today. You know, if you're that person, you can always know it by the close friends you have and, and, and frankly, even having a boss who can shoot you straight. So that's a whole different conversation. But on this conversation of knowing your worth, I think what is typically the norm for people is they don't overvalue themselves. They undervalue themselves. And as a culture, there's a group of workers out there who are sincerely trying to do what's best for the company and the company is screwing them over in return. And I don't even mean this maliciously. I think there are owners out there who simply do not know how to incentivize and reward their people. Let's break this down today. I, I, there's a really a great article that I've loved to reference. It comes from Forbes. And I'm actually going to, uh, I'm at my computer. I'm going to pull up this article just so I can, I can quote it correctly. I got in trouble with one of my recent podcasts because I, I misquoted something and somebody did not like that. So for you guys, the listeners, because I'm an ethical person, I'm going to quote this correctly. It says, employees who stay in companies longer than two years get paid 50% less. I'll read that one more time. Employees who stay in companies longer than two years get paid 50% less. You will make 50% less money by staying in a job for more than two years. And so I saw this headline. I actually saw it last year. And I thought, this can't be right. Come on. This can't be right. Well, I looked into the data. The average raise an employee will receive is 3%. Most underperforming employees will receive, on average, a 1.3% raise. The best performers on average will receive a four to four and a half percent raise because inflation is valued at 2.1% based on the consumer price index published by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. This means that your 3% raise is actually worth less than 1%. Now, let's process this for a minute. The average raise is 3%. Inflation, 2.1%. And this I, I need a, This was from a few years ago, so uh, I, I don't know what the today's inflation rate is, but it's probably somewhere around there. When you get a 3% raise, you're actually not really getting a 3% raise. You're getting a, a maybe 1% to 2% raise. And employees who stay in their careers long-term are actually not making that much money. In fact, what this article goes on to talk about is that when someone changes jobs, and again, we're not, we're throwing out, we're not talking about people who are like underperforming, uh, totally oblivious. <laughs> this is the person who it's like, it's the uncle that wants the job and you're like, I know we're family, but I do not want to hire you. We're, we're, we're not talking about those kind of people. We're talking about 
the highly qualified individuals. And again, if you're thinking about yourself, man, I don't know if I'm that person, chances are you're a lot more qualified than you think you are, okay? I'm not even talking about like cream of the crop. I'm talking about if you can do your job functionally well, you're probably in that mid to high tier quality people. Well, whenever you change jobs, you can actually leverage your salary, and you you are now this more qualified individual to get a higher starting salary of 10 to 20%. And so what this article, what this study actually did was they actually looked at people who, who changed their jobs and even sometimes changed industries and people consistently were able to get higher salaries of 10 to 20%. In fact, what's really interesting is there are people out there who didn't change jobs to get the higher salary. They weren't actually negotiating for that. But because they're seen as a lot more qualified as they were maybe two or three years ago, their starting salary is that much higher. So why don't we all just change jobs then? Why, why don't people just, just move from job to job, right? Well, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, of, of sort of guilt and shame of like, man, you've had a lot of jobs. What's going on there? But I think that's even less important today. I think, I think 10 years ago when we were coming out of a generation of people who worked a job for 20 or 30 years, it was a lot uh, worse for your resume to have multiple jobs. Today, you know, millennials are changing jobs five to seven times in a 10 year span. I don't think it's as big of a deal as we think it is. But here's my problem with, with people in general or rather with owners in general. And this is this is going to frustrate some owners. The problem with business ownership is we have business owners who simply do not know how to pay for the results that they want. We have a culture of owners out there who want to pay the cheapest possible price to get the best results. And this isn't just owners. I mean, this is people in general, right? I mean, this is how people operate in general. I mean, you go, you go buy the, the, the off-brand headphones and you wonder why they're not as good as your, your AirPods or your Beats. I don't own either one of these. So I'm, I'm just assuming these are good quality headphones, by the way. Uh, if you're like an audiophile and you think these things are, are awful, I'm obviously giving myself away here. But so you have people out there and you've, pro- you've probably done this yourself. I mean, I think, about, I think about times Joy and I, my wife, we went on a vacation and I got a hotel room for dirt cheap. It's like $80 a night. And I was like, man, this hotel is kind of crummy. You know, what, what's the deal? Like, why isn't this like an awesome hotel? And it's like, well, you know, you get what you pay for in life. And I think there's a, a really harmful trend in business today of how do I get the most out of my employees without paying them what they're worth? In fact, there's this really kind of psychotic mentality, this really weird, narcissistic, controlling mentality of, I will pay them when they've proven to me that they deserve it. Or I will, I will, uh, you know, force them to jump through these hoops and then they will earn my 3% raise or my 4% raise. And if you are the employee in this boat, I want to tell you something. You are, you're damaging your long-term ability to be happy in life. And I want to break that down a little bit because right off the bat, if you're not a, um, let's say if you're not a material person, uh, 
you know, I've had people in the past where I've had this conversation and they'll say something like, and what they'll say back to me is, is, well, Blake, I'm, I just don't care about money. And, you know, they kind of, you know, look at me after they say it, like wide eyed, like, I don't care about money, like implying Blake, you're just a greedy, awful person. And I think what's really frustrating about that is that most people who tell me that are people who have money. The people who've told me things like, you know, I just don't really care about money. Well, I just don't really, more often than not, those are people who have made it in life. Whereas my generation, it's the generation of student debt. It's the generation of, oh God, oh God, how will I ever put down money for this house payment? It's the generation of uh, the average age of people having their first child is moving years and years later in life because people can't afford it. I mean, right now, I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, if we have a kid, how will I pay for this? Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's oh my gosh, please check engine light, do not come on. Or I remember when I first started my business, our, our water tank burst or our part of it burst. And I remember thinking like, well, I guess we're just gonna go with no hot water for now. And see, you, you, you have this generation of people who have come into an economy that, that does not have a lot of options compared to maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And you have people who are people in my generation, even people in the workforce today, who are guilted for wanting more money. And if that is you, if you feel like you've been guilted in some way, I want to challenge that perception. I want to I want to challenge that belief because it's not about being rich. It's not about just just having money. It's about the standard of life that we want for ourselves. You know, I, I, I would love to be someone who did not have to think about my mortgage payment. But unless you've been someone who struggled from month to month paying a bill, or, you know, I have a cavity in my mouth and I don't know how to pay for that. So I guess I'm just going to keep the cavity. Unless you've been through those circumstances, you cannot understand how important a living wage is to your employees. You know, our ability to make money is directly correlated with our ability to be happy and fulfilled in life. And it's not because, again, it's not the Scrooge McDuck, you're swimming in money, you know? And so now it's, I, I can buy like a BMW. It's, it's man, I just want to have the lifestyle I want. And even that word, and you know, it's it's just so funny to me because I, I, I'm really, I was careful to make this podcast today and I was, I'm careful to talk about this because I just have, I have people who have such conflicting viewpoints on this and even people I really respect who I, we do not see eye to eye on this. And so I have to choose my words carefully because I don't want, I, I don't want it to be conflated when, even when I say lifestyle, I've, I, I don't want someone to conflate that with, you know, the really nice watch or the really nice clothes or, you know, the big house. That's, that's not what I mean by lifestyle. When I talk lifestyle, I'm talking about being able to have the food that I want. I can actually grocery shop and not buy ramen, which, you know, fortunately my circumstances are not that bad that I've had to buy ramen, but I've thought about it. You know, I mean, I've definitely had my days where I've been like, man, maybe I need to go back to those ramen days. And, and, and this is something that, that lots of people experience. 
I mean, there's some great data out there on people who who are, uh, when it comes to the percent of people who actually have a month's expenses saved in their bank account, it's abysmally low. Is that because the majority of people are wildly irresponsible? Maybe. <laughs> and I've noticed that, that people who are on the other side of it typically view those people in really negative circumstances. You know, it's hard for them to empathize. But what I think it also is, is I think, these are people who are doing everything they can to make ends meet. And man, it is so hard to actually build momentum and traction in a financial sense because of just the complexity of life. I mean, my, my wife and I, I guess it was about maybe eight months ago, I had chest pain, real bad chest pain. I woke up with it. My wife took me to the ER and it turned out I was totally fine. Well, a few days later, I got a bill for like $2,800. And I just remember thinking, okay, cool. I didn't really want to spend money on that, but I'm not dead. So I guess it was worth it, right? I mean, I, I don't know, right? And so, you know, I, 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 and here's really what I'm, I'm, what I'm getting at today. What I'm not saying is you need to up and quit your job tomorrow. What I am saying is you need to be aggressive and assertive on your value. We typically undersell ourselves. We typically, you know, and it's because we want to be humble. We want to be loyal. We want to give, you know, and this, and again, this is the majority of people that I've worked with are well-meaning, well-intentioned people. And so they, they want to give of their time. They want to be loyal. They want to be loyal to their company. They want to be money. They, they, they want to be money grubbing. They don't want to be money grubbing. But what I have found is that there are owners who manipulate this. And I and look, I'm not, I'm not being cynical. And I don't even mean it in a malicious way. I, I don't think that owners are sitting in their business office twiddling their thumbs thinking, how can I take advantage of my employees? Owners are rightfully thinking of the bottom line of their business. But I, I think that we are delusional. If you're a business owner, you're delusional if you think the gift card to Starbucks incentivizes your employees. You're delusional if you think the pat on on the back is an incentive for your and I, and it's and <laughs> I have to balance everything because again I get I'll, I'll get an email that's like you know you socialist look those things are great do those things congratulate your employees praise them publicly what have you but you have to take care of your people my philosophy is this if an employee is more likely to make 10 to 20% more money somewhere else, and they're a highly talented person, I am willing to pay that myself to keep the talent because it's going to cost me inexorbitantly more to have to find someone else, to devote the time in finding someone else, to retrain them, to reintegrate them into our culture, meaning how we do things. You know, I remember when I worked at Chewy's, there, it, it, it was hard sometimes. We could bring in someone who was a server who had waited tables for forever, but they could not be successful at Chewy's because Chewy's has a very particular culture, has a very particular way they go about doing things. They have a standard for how they want their servers to operate, and not everyone can flourish in that system. And so to bring in a new employee who doesn't know the culture, who isn't sure of how things are done, that, that is a lot of time and energy on my end to be spent when I could have just kept the great employee in the first place. 
right? Especially an employee that I've I've actually devoted actual dollars into training, maybe getting them certifications, what have you. And I think I think what frustrates me about this sometimes, I, I was in a conversation with someone several months ago, and we we're talking about golden handcuffs. And he was saying, okay, I want to know my, my business. We don't have a golden handcuff. And, and, and by the way, if you're not familiar with what a golden handcuff is, it's called a golden handcuff because your company pays for something to further your education, your expertise, whatever. And in return, you agree to work for them for a certain period of time, i.e. I will pay for your master's if you stay with me for two years. Very common in business. Okay. It's actually not, it's not a rarity in terms of what people offer. Well, so I was talking to someone and he said, I'm about to spend a lot of money on this employee and I want to know, uh, and it was something that I was totally not qualified <laughs> and, and for, I don't know how I got into a conversation with this person, but he said, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the legality of my golden handcuff. I'm trying to figure out, is this the right way to go about it? And I think I probably got on his nerves cause I didn't even, you know, I, I first of all said, you know what? I don't really know anything about the legality of that, but why wouldn't you devote all, instead of forcing them to work for you why wouldn't you go through the effort of making sure this person is so satisfied in your company that they would want to stay? Why wouldn't you go through the effort of, of, of you know, giving them a path of succession, of helping them see how they can grow in the company, of, of paying them for their good work? Why, why wouldn't you just do that? Right. And he was kind of stumped. He was like, and if anything, I think he viewed me as like, as sort of naive, like, oh, that would never work. And it's like, but it does work. Right. I mean, it, it, it does work. It's, 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 and I, I hate to say it because it sounds so impersonal and superficial, but money matters to people and you should never let someone guilt you for thinking that. Right. And I think, I think what typically happens in business is often we have business owners who their model is so dysfunctional that it's easier to make the employees pay the price than themselves. You know, I talked about the, the startup at the start of this podcast. It's easier for the owner to make the employees pay for his own screw ups. You know, they haven't been paid in six weeks. It's easier to make them pay for it than for himself to bear that burden. You know, I was talking to a guy, and I can't remember if I've talked about this in a previous podcast or not, but I was talking to a guy who he uh, was looking for a salesperson and could only afford to pay the salesperson minimum wage and wanted a incredibly skilled, talented salesperson and said, I, I can only pay minimum wage plus commission, uh, but I want to find a great salesperson. How do I find this person? And it's like, yeah, right, man. Seriously. Like you're living on another planet. And he's like, well, I, but I can't afford the salesperson. Like, how do I get that person? And, and it's the question isn't how do I screw over this person and yet convince them to work for me? That's not the question. The question is what is broken in my business model that is keeping me from making the revenue that I need to make? What's keeping me from making the money and having the space I need to now reinvest that in an employee who's going to grow and scale my business. You know, it's, 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 you have a person, and this is actually the case for this individual, who he was a terrible, terrible salesperson, and no one really wanted his product. 
So he was basically just scratching by and he thought, you know what? I'll hire a salesperson. The answer isn't let me bring on the burden of another person and now both of us are miserable. It's how do I solve and resolve my own problems? And now that I'm getting a little bit of success and I need to duplicate myself because I don't have all the time and effort that, that is needed to continue to grow this even larger, I'm going to bring on an employee and pay them what they're worth. Some owners get this really well, other owners, not so much. It's, 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 and it's all, I think it's just a matter of what's easy or what's easier. You know, like I said, it's easier to, eh, we weren't really paying them that much than to pay people what they're worth. And again, if you're an employee, and, and here's the thing too, that, that also frustrates me. There are some people who will work in a company and they'll take They'll stay there long-term and they'll take even a little less money because of the perks that come with that job. And that's, that's fine. And that's, I've met people who've said, you know what? I'm actually okay with not making more somewhere else because the culture is really great here. We make good money here. Um, but man, there's so much I can bring my dog to work. You know, I, I don't know what all the things are, but, but, and, and I don't, I'm not criticizing that. I have no problem with that. You know, go where you want to go. I think what's frustrating though are owners who they they incorporate all of these things that they call quote perks and they say, well, you know, we're not going to give you more money, but hey, we have that mini fridge and you can go grab a Dr. Pepper out of it whenever you want. You know, it's like, come on, man. That's that is not a real perk. You know, a perk is you're gonna help me with my health insurance right? A perk is you're going to, uh, you know, you're, you're going to find a way, maybe you're going to help pay for, uh, my masters. You know I mean? There are things that are legitimate perks and then there are things that are not real perks, right? It's like, if I want, if, I mean, are there perks to being married to me? My wife would say a good perk would be that I do the dishes sometimes. There are plenty of other things that I probably think are really great about me that she's kind of like, eh, you know, and that's common in business is that we have owners who are like, man, this is so cool about our business and other and people who actually work for us and actually are in the job are kind of like, you know, I think I would rather give you back that Dr. Pepper and take a little extra cash. I think that would be more meaningful to me. And when I've challenged owners to do something like this, because sometimes I get in these conversations and what I've, what I've, when I challenge owners to do something like this, a small percentage says, Wow, yeah, makes total sense. You know, if I'm going to pay peanuts, I'm going to get chimpanzees. Uh, you know, I actually want highly qualified people. I want to keep them. I want to give them a job. I want to give them their lifetime job. Yes, I want to do that. Uh, and I and I love working with those people. I think other owners get apprehensive because it affects what they take home. And so I remember an owner I talked to, who he was saying. He was like, oh yeah, I could easily bump their pay. My hourly employees pay like three or four bucks and that would make it pretty competitive. And I would go from, I think he said he'd go from like, um, man, I can't remember what it was. It was like, uh, it was a restaurant guy and he was like, I can go from 200K down to like 180K or 170K. And I was like, awesome. And I go, so are you going to do it? And he was like, oh God, no. He's like, I don't want to lose that money. And I was like, I mean... I, I'm sure. I mean, it's your money, but, but, but really like you wouldn't give up 40 K to make, 
to, to be the best paying person in your industry? Like, really? You wouldn't give that up? You know, and, and obviously we get into these complexities of like margins and like how much money are we really making? And like, so I can't really pay them more because of these circumstances. But, but all that to say, you know, my, my encouragement to everyone listening is take care of your people. I mean, that's the bottom line. And I mean, really take care of your people. And if you're on the other side of it, if you're an employee, don't let someone guilt you for wanting more. Don't let someone guilt you for wanting to attain the life that you want to assert your value. You know, I think about a, a woman I knew who worked for this company and I, I don't remember the, the numbers perfectly, but she was told she'd get this massive bonus and she'd get a raise if she, you know, put her head down and they just in, in helped lead the team. And if they grinded and they grinded for the rest of the year, and if they could get to like 800K in revenue, she would get this big bonus in this raise. Well, they didn't just get to 800K. They got to like 2 million in revenue or 3 million. It was something just exponentially higher than what the goal was. And I was talking to her, just it was maybe like a month or two after the fiscal year had ended. And I said, wow, what an awesome story. So so you got your your bonus in your raise, right? And she goes, ooh, ah, uh, no. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you, you didn't get it? And she goes, well, no. Uh, see, what happened was they told me they really needed to reinvest it back into the company. There's some things that, you know, they're, try- they're trying to grow in the company. And so they can't do it right now, but they're going to do it uh, maybe later on in the year. And I thought, you know what? That's lying. That is what that is. And again, you, I would venture to guess you don't have an owner who's being malicious. You know, I'm sure in the owner's mind, it makes perfect sense. But that therein lies the problem is that often you, I think a lot of owners see their employees as these sponges. And it's like, how many different, how many different ways can I wring and squeeze this person to get as much out of them as possible instead of, of whenever they do good work for us, totally blessing them. And I, you know, there's one company that does a really great job of this. It's, it's a local company and, and what essentially happens, I, I heard about the owner who, uh, one of the employees had a medical bill, a really serious medical bill. Owner totally paid for it out of pocket. Said, Hey, don't worry about it. I got you covered. Well, another one of his employees had to be out for a couple of months and they didn't have any kind of leave system. And he said, you know what, what, what do you need to be able to be fine over these next couple of months? And, and it's just a different philosophy. It's a different perspective. It's different from the owner who's thinking of how can I get the most out of this person? And, and again, it's not always malicious, but sometimes it's this expectation of loyalty. And, and I just, I can't help but think about like NBA teams, for example, you have NBA teams and fans who want employee, what employees want players to be on that team for life, but the player can make $20 million more somewhere else. And then we get mad at the player for saying, well, they're not loyal. And it's like, dude, if you took care of your people, you know, you have a team that will trade players off at the drop of a hat to make their bottom line look better. You know, we'll trade off our superstar in a moment if it gets us two superstars. I mean, we'll make it happen if it makes us look good. And I think companies operate the same way, not out of malintent, but because, again, they're thinking about the bottom line. Assert your value to people. Stay hungry. 
And goodness gracious, be aggressive with the life that you want. Do not wait for this to happen on its own because it won't. It won't. I was talking with a CEO who had left a company. He had worked in this company for about a decade and he had been that person. You know what? I'll I'll take the one to two percent. I'll take the small raises. There were a couple years in there that didn't get any raises because the company wasn't doing great. And so he's making the same amount of money. And he said, you know what? One of my biggest regrets is I made myself out to be a martyr for that company. And it was for no reason. I took the decade of my life, which was the prime earning years for my life, and I didn't make nearly as much as I could have been making. And again, it's nothing to do with the amount. It's it's the doors that we can open by having the financial freedom to actually open those doors, to buy the keys we need to unlock those doors and move forward with it. Be aggressive with your value. Do not be the person, I'm telling you, do not be the person who is guilted and forced to stay in a system that does not reward your good, honest, productive contributions to your company. And on the flip side, if you're an owner, dear goodness gracious, take care of your people. For all the flaws we can have as leaders, the one thing I hope that people never say about me is that I didn't take care of them. You know, they can say I was long-winded. They could say that I was, you know, too theoretical or too practical or you know, too abstract or too in the weeds. I mean, all these things, I am okay with that being a, a tarnish on my legacy as long as they say, you know what? He took care of me and he put my needs before his own. Uh, that's just my philosophy. And again, here's the deal. I know this is a frustrating message for some people, but for the great companies I've worked for, the great companies I've worked with, and that I've, I've had a relationship with, this has been a common trend in all of those companies. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me and it works, I want to challenge you to try it and just see how it works for you. Thanks for listening, everybody. I will catch you later. Enjoy this beautiful spring weather, and I'll see you. Bye-bye.